I just want to get married and have babies. You want to have babies? Is that um, really? Wow. I don't know why I can't. I, I. The task of being a mom sounds so daunting, but I am also so excited to have little shithead Lizzie's running around. That. I don't think the world is ready for that. You're going to have to get the me The world is years. not okay. going to be ready, but I'm going to be such a good mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am so excited to just spoil and coddle that little shithead. So you're going to you're going to build a brat is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lizzie Houston and I have zero idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm Hero Sullivan and my lower back hurts from carrying the expectations of this podcast. Do we have expectations? No, I guess we do keep the bar pretty low, which is nice. Yeah, I'm not sure what people expect from me, except to expect the unexpected. Oh, you keep people on their toes, huh? I think so. I think my energy is chaotic enough to where I can deliver that without hurting anyone. Like, it's all for the pure That's really kind of you. I love people. I hate yeah. people, but I love people. Mm, what a I get so drained. Does. No, well, I get really drained. Mm. Like I get, I feel very mm-hmm. tired a lot of the time because I'm interacting with so many people on personal levels. But at the same time, like I do really enjoy those connections and talking to people. But I do get really tired, which is probably why I have just spent the last few weeks coming back from work and just being quiet and playing mm-hmm. lots of Luigi's Mansion. Is that how you decompress? Video yeah, games? I love. I play video games. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big, big Nintendo Switcher. Mm. Switch. Is this also your like? I'm sad and I need to get through my life. Fallback. Is that what your switch is for you? Is this a therapy session? I think that's what we've actually um, we started here. Is it? Are we supposed to share our struggles with the pod? You know what? If you I, want, I mean, I I think maybe I was telling this to you the other day. I think there is something about like this is a conundrum that all of social media always sees. It's like everybody's showing all their great, beautiful sides of life. Like things are blah blah mm-hmm. blah. They're so great. No, sometimes life is awful, and sometimes your coaches and your friends are struggling with a lot of stuff that you can't see, and you show up and you do everything that you have to do because that's your job, and that's all good and dandy because I think it's really important. But I also don't always want to be seen as this fabulous, outgoing, wonderful human being. Sometimes I get sad. Well, actually, that kind of stems an interesting question of like, as a coach and our role as coaches, you know, at what point are we able to show up and be like, I am going to give you everything I have to give today, but that's not a lot, you know, and we, we tell it to our athletes all the time, at least we do. And I'm sure you do too, of like, hey, you're not going to show up every day hundred percent, but give us like hundred percent of the 60% you can show up with. But, you know, as coaches, it's like, there's way less wiggle room to get to do that. You know? Yeah. I think that's exactly what I tell my athletes all the time is I don't care if you're at, like you said, 60%, just give me everything you have of that. And you know, it's, it's selection is an everyday process and it's like going into two K's like, we'll have a two K on Monday, but it's not the end all be all you know, selection is every day. You show up, you Mm. be a good teammate. That's part of selection. You show up, you be a good friend. That's selection. You put down five really great days of practice and two mediocre days of practice. That's selection. And I think, I think for coaches, 
there's this, I don't want to say that there's an expectation because, you know, I think the kids do see us as humans sometimes, like we are human, mm-hmm. but I also, I definitely put my coaches on a pedestal and like was scared to talk to them about certain things in college and then, or in general, but um, when I did have the courage and the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, I'm really hurting with X, Y, Z, like it was really empowering and it was really freeing. And I think I got more speed out of it, which has been pretty cool. But I think as a coach who struggles with outside stuff, you know, there, we have personal lives and our personal lives are personal. Um, but it's also, it makes us human and we're people and it allows us to help the athletes who struggle as well, because we go through it too. Mm. And I'm sure this conversation that we're having is a conversation that everybody has and everybody understands, but I think it's important to talk about mental health and things like that. I actually almost think that not everyone has this conversation. And I think like there is kind of this interesting thing that we'll see as like our age group transcends into coaching world and starts taking over these head coaching roles in the next, you know, five, 10 years. I, I don't think a lot of older coaches are as like tapped into kind of that, this version of the conversation, the way that we are. Um, and I'm actually interested to see how that will shape like athlete experiences. Um, because like, I had also talked to my head coach in college about like my mental health struggles. And I mean, she reacted to the best of her ability, but like, I see that now and I'm like, that's not something I would ever say to an athlete. And like, she was giving me what she could give me and I'm grateful for the support she could give. But I think like, it wasn't the approach that I would take. So it's, it's, I think it'll be interesting to see in the next like couple of years, the next couple turns of the coaching carousel, if you will, how this conversation is going to change. And we're seeing a lot of coaches getting kind of shifted out of the space because they're not in tune with this. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And just to speak on that, I guess it's seeing a shift and being able to support athletes, mental health. I think, I'm not sure. I think, um, the CRCA, someone was doing a study of like mental health literacy and coaches. So I participated Mm -hmm. in that study and I find that to be really amazing that people are doing that and taking steps to see where people stand and where we need to evaluate and create a bigger space to talk about, you know, how mental health affects performance, how honestly, how performance affects mental health, I think too, Mm -hmm. is people don't tend to navigate towards that, but it's, it, I think it's, it's lofty. It's, it's a big, big subject and there's, you know, a lot of stuff that goes into it. So, you know, whether it's mental health then correlates to poor, poor performance and then poor performance continues to that, you know, run that spiral. I feel like that happened to me in college, but I, you know, was also struggling with injuries and all those things. So there was a lot that went into it. I think from a, excuse me, from a coaching perspective now, we don't share our struggles obviously with our athletes, which I think is completely fair and fine, but I think it is important to still set a place to where we can be relatable to our athletes in order to help them, you know, if they're struggling with anything, we've done a really great job with our staff at holding a, a good and safe space for that. And so I want to continue to build a team culture that thrives and allows us to be genuine in how we're feeling and how we react to things. So I'm excited to see that. It's a big conversation. It's never mm. going to get, it's, it's not going to get solved between you and I, it's just something no. to, to shed some light on and that we're interested in pursuing. So 
Um, anyone with ideas or experience, please, we're happy to listen and share and happy to have you on if you have some, some wonderful thoughts on this. And if you're doing any studies on it, like a PhD or, you know, master's thesis, something that'd be really cool to hear. So please share your thoughts if, uh, if you have any. Kira and I are busy now. It's busy season. <laughs> it's busy season. It's racing season. It's busy season. season. It's racing season. We're about to go on spring break on Friday. So I'll be pretty MIA for a bit, but we just, we wanted to get something out that just like, like a nice candid conversation and I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I think it's something you brought up about the CRCA, which is for those of you that don't know the collegiate rowing coaches association. So it's all everyone and anyone who is interested in being part of it. Um, we're all coaches of collegiate women's teams and NCAA teams, and it's a pretty cool network. Um, and one of the things that we actually are doing right now with that group is a trauma-informed coaching seminar, um, which is kind of, I think the next step in the like mental health side of coaching. And that whole approach is this idea of like trauma-informed coaching. And, you know, that's a big, scary word trauma. And we talk about it a lot in a lot of sociological senses. I was sociology major in undergrad. So these are things that like we've beat the horse till it was dead talking about it. Um, (laughs) but I think it's huge to see it kind of blend in the coaching world and this idea of like capital T trauma exists, but then there's like lowercase T of like an athlete who is afraid to go to their coach because they're afraid of being reprimanded for X, Y, and Z, or went to their coach when they were in high school and like their program was set up so that only the people with the top er top erg scores were in the one B. It didn't matter how you raced and all these kind of relationships in the way that especially junior coaches can kind of affect athletes who then come into the collegiate realm and we are bringing them in. And I, I'm sure every collegiate coach has had this athlete who's come from a really hard culture in their high school, grade school, sometimes, whether it was rowing or not. And you have to kind of chip away at like, well, that's not how we do it here. And not to say it's the wrong way, but it's clearly left you with some discomfort. Like, this like new age of trauma-informed coaching is really exciting. Um, and it's going to kind of take our whole profession to this like next level of ways that we can really serve our athletes. Yeah. I think as you know, I, I think I missed the first one, but, um, I'm hope it's a series, right. Mm-hmm. That's happening. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm going to try and plan around getting to those. Cause I think that's really important. And you bring up a great point. Like we, we also have athletes that have come from really strict junior programs that set really, really, really high expectations for their athletes and don't always present those expectations in healthy ways. So I think being able to, yes, the um, idea around it is important. Yes. Yeah. I think just like, <laughs> but introducing, I think introducing trauma and foreign coaching yeah. is so cool. And we can kind of, as we learn more about it, definitely yeah, share more yeah. about it. Okay. Well, so, you know, along the line of like athlete mental health. And one of the things I think is unique to the queer experience as an athlete is sometimes you break up with your teammate or your teammate breaks up with you and you still have to show up to practice the next day and row together. Thoughts, Lizzie? Lizzie now at 25, don't date your teammate. (laughs) I think date your teammate if you are genuinely emotionally mature enough to handle it don't date your teammate if you are an extrovert 
Do you not think, do you not think that college age you would have thought that you were emotionally prepared to do this kind of thing? No, college me 100% knew that I was not prepared to date my teammate because I wasn't okay. even prepared to come out. Very good self-awareness. Okay. What did I say? But um, you really think, you really think college age you was, would have known. But why did you do it anyway? College aged me did date a teammate and I knew it was impulsive and that I was trying to, I was trying to accept my sexuality in a way that probably wasn't the right way to have done it. I think I should have spent a lot more time alone, not trying to force myself into this role that I felt that I needed to play because I wanted to come out. I wasn't ready to come out. I wasn't ready to be in a committed relationship. The idea and the prospect of, you know, finding your person in college on a team, like that sounds great. And I think that's what a lot of people go for. And Kira, you got super lucky and that's incredible. And like the experience that we really all want going into a relationship with a teammate. I really, I really want to say that like that, that's what I wanted. I, I wanted this life. Like I met my teammate and we had this great, beautiful life and college road together. We're successful together and like grew up together. Right. But 19, 20 year old me, that's what I wanted. And I knew realistically, that's not what was going to happen. I knew that I didn't want to really be there, which obviously led to a really unhealthy relationship. And it makes me sad thinking about it because I definitely hurt a person that definitely didn't deserve to be hurt at all. And neither of us were perfect. And we all had, you know, we both had our flaws and I think it damaged the team in a lot of ways. So I really think there are people who can handle it. And then there are people who definitely can't. And Mm -hmm. I unfortunately was one of those people that couldn't. And I wish I had the mindset that I had back then that I do now, because it would have saved a lot of, you know, it would have saved everybody a lot of turmoil. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like those experiences have allowed me to grow and become this person I am today and to have this perspective. So I guess I can't, be upset about all of it because I have learned a lot and I have become more self-aware in my adulthood. I still feel very young. So (laughs) I still don't feel like I have it nailed, nailed down yet, but like, there's that, there's just that fantasy, you know, of like finding your person and whether I can attribute that to like shitty rom-coms I watched growing up and, and things like that, like, like, think about it, though. It's like you have this straight narrative that you're trying to plug into, you know, it's like a worksheet, right? You're just trying to plug in the answers and or you're trying to stick a circle into a triangular block. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work. And I was tr- yeah, I was trying to live this narrative that I wanted so badly just just for myself. And like, that's that's what hurts me is that I don't I really don't think I'm a selfish person. And I really try to be open and, and caring and kind to everybody around me. And I'm not always great at it. But at that point in time, my outward approach to things of being genuine towards, you know, my partner, girlfriend person, whatever. It was so selfish. It was so beyond selfish because I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too, like all of that. And I think, 
yeah, I think you really, if you, if you like a teammate, if you are thinking about pursuing something with a teammate, it's really, really, really important to sit down with yourself and think, is this genuinely something that I want to pursue and see a future with? And I'm not saying to date with, you know, you may date somebody who you absolutely adore and love so much, but there may just not be a future there and that's okay. And it it does hurt, but you can still enjoy the experiences that you have if you know that you can amicably separate at the end of the day um, because you may just not be for each other and that's okay. But I think when you're, when two people's actions could genuinely affect 60 other people around you, you have to sit down and think about what are my coaches going to do if we break up and it's messy, you know, what are my teammates going to think? What are our friends going to think? It's a really sticky situation to put yourself in. I wish that I didn't do it, but I am happy that I have the wisdom now to kind of throw it out there into the ether to help other athletes because I know I'm not the first and I'm not the last. And I think there's some crazy statistic out there that I've read or someone told me that's like 60% of Gen Z is like, I'm gay. So we're entering some sticky territory. Yeah. You know? So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary to think that that could happen on any of the teams that we coach and our friends Mm. coach. Um, Because as the coach, like, I don't want to, I can't tell you who to love. But at the same time, I can try and tell you to be smart about it. Um, yeah, I think. And breakups suck, period. Breakups are mm. horrible. And let alone have it, having to like not be able to physically separate your space while you're going through that is also tough. I think what made my breakup from my teammate a little bit easier was that she ended up quitting like immediately after we broke up. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like within right. a couple of months, I think during like winter training or something, because I think we broke up in like November or something. So like probably January. Um, and then there's like, oh, we try and be friends and it doesn't work because it's like someone gets jealous and it's just, it's, it's sticky. And that's in any situation. But like I said, like you need to have that physical separation, especially with somebody that you spend so much time with. And, you know, they're still your, if they stay on your team, they're still your teammate. You have to show up and you have to respect them for who they are. And for the work that they're also putting in, it's not, it's not about you and it's about your team. And I think the more people who take care of their teammates and no matter what realm, whether you're dating, you're a good friend to them, like you're smart about the way that you approach certain situations that makes a good teammate that makes a culturally sound environment. Um, and that's where I want to see more teams at. And, um, hopefully 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 you'll heed heed the warnings we're putting out there except Kira it worked out for you so we're both Listen. sides of the spectrum <laughs> okay, I love well, it like we, we are on opposite sides and you like yeah. you have a great experience I didn't have a great experience so that isn't to say that it couldn't work out for you if it does you know if you pursue it yeah and well for one thank you for sharing so so much yes. um I think our experiences are well worth putting out there into the world um especially as you know like you said the next generation coming up is definitely exploring so 
good on them. Um, <laughs> Proud of you. I, think, <laughs> um, I do think like, you know, a lot of what you, you talked about is like very applicable to any type of relationship and any type of end of relationship and shared friends and all that. But that emphasis on like, there are 60 other people that are tied down to this, whether we like it or not. And finding that way to create a boundary around a shared space is really hard. And uh, yeah, okay. I didn't date a direct teammate in college. I dated someone who was a competitor. um, And, you know, I was lucky that we didn't have a shared space at practice, but we had a lot of shared race spaces and that was pretty tough um, after, you know, and rowing world is small. So having a shared rowing world is just tough, but it, I will say uh, there's a really big part of dating your teammate that I didn't really anticipate is like, it kind of becomes everyone's business, whether you want it to or not. And I remember when my current partner and I started dating and it was, we weren't like officially dating or anything. We were just kind of, we'd both gotten out of relationships at pretty similar times. And we were like, all right, whatever, like, let's see what's going on here. And our captains pulled us aside after like a couple weeks and they were like, Hey, what is going on? Like, what are you two? You're making people uncomfortable. They don't know what's going on. Like, are you dating? Are you not? What's happening? And we were just like, like, if anyone has ever met Alex, you would know that this is something that would like throw her up a wall because she, it is none of your damn business what's going on in her life. And she's probably gonna be mad at me for sharing the story, but mwah, love you. Um, it was just, it was very like, whether we wanted it or not, it was our team's business. And I didn't want it to be because we didn't know what we were yet. And I was out and she was out. But like, if you, I can imagine if you're in a situation where you're not out yet and suddenly it's 60 other people's business, whether or not you're dating someone, it's really intrusive. and it. It sucked to navigate that, but I think the more transparent we became with the team, the more they like joke about it and be like, ah, ha, ha, like, Kira, don't let Alex beat you. That'll be pretty tough for your relationship. Like, and that was fun. And when we could finally laugh about it, it was, you know, we ended up like officially dating at the end of one of the seasons that we have time apart from the team. And like being together and then coming back into the team space and navigating that. And that was really good for us. The timing just worked out great. Um, But we also made a very, very active decision to be like the team space is our professional space. And we found out later that our coaches didn't know we were dating for like six or seven months, which is like an accomplishment that I am so proud of. And we like, I, we would like sit next to each other in the bus and like that kind of thing. But no, like we weren't holding hands. We weren't like no PDA and like race spaces. Like we made it very clear that like, this is like our work. And when we leave work, we get to be together as a couple. Um, and I, I remember one of my friends was jokingly telling me like, I, I am a pretty fast runner and Alex hates running. Um, but we do a warm up run at practice. And she was like, Oh, I just thought it was so nice of you to just be like slowly running with Alex. And like, that was just so like that you were just hanging out with your friend. And like weeks later, she was like, Oh my God, it's because you were dating (laughs) and you two couldn't like not be next to each other. I don't know. It was, (laughs) it's funny. It's fun. But you know, I will say it's not like we got into the relationship and we're like, we were going to get married one day. Like we didn't make that distinction. We didn't decide that we didn't know that about 
who we were as a couple yet, but Mm -hmm. we did very actively have conversations around boundaries and the team's boundary. And, you know, if we're at team parties, what does it look like? And if we're, you know, when we're traveling with the team, what does it look like? And there's that question of like, do we have to let the coaches know so that we're not put in the same room at a hotel? And we decided, you know, we'll take it by, you know, play by ear on that one. And like, if we do end up getting put in a room together, going up and being like, Hey, we think it's like more professional if we're not sharing a room and just leaving it at that. Um, but you know, I do think it's, it's really tricky. And I can only imagine, like, I, I know one of our grad assistants at one point talked about how, like, yeah, I got broken up with and I had to erg next to my ex the next day. Like that was just how it was. And we just showed up and we had to like still hit our goal splits and crush the workout. And I was emotionally wrecked, but like I had to do it because that was team space and we shared it and that sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I do think it, it takes a lot of emotional maturity to date your teammate. That's what I'll say about it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank that's, that's awesome. I love, I love hearing that. Like, I love hearing the success stories, but I think you, you approached it in such a wonderful and like smart way that that's, I think a huge reason why it's been so successful for both of you. You were able to communicate that and that's awesome. I think that's, that's what a partner is there for. And that's why it's successful. You know, um, I would like, I, I wish that I had that emotional maturity uh, and it, it I took wonder, a lot of years of therapy. Let me say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm still learning and it's, it's, it's a process for, for everybody, but it's, it seems like you're, you're kind of ahead of that space and, um, kudos. I think, I wonder if I'm curious too, is like, is having been out, I wonder if that was really helpful already too. Well, yeah. Bark. stressed um well I mean Alex is out everywhere she goes right like (laughs) like she did Alex have short hair in college too yeah she's she's had short hair since like high school she's been rocking she's known herself for a long time yes Um, Alex (laughs) um, snaps baby I, I mean, I think it helped a lot. Like I never, I don't think I ever really definitively was like, I am not straight, you know, to my teammates, which is fine. Everyone's coming out process is their own. Um, I just kind of was like, I'm going to exist and my existence is being pansexual and that's just how it is. But nobody really asked. Um, I think, yeah, I think being out helped a lot in the sense of like, no one was surprised. Um, we were apparently the first couple in like recent history on our team. And so that was kind of like why I think a lot of people didn't know what to do. Like they hadn't had the experience. And, you know, after we started dating and we started dating when I was a junior. Um, so I had like a whole year and then she had a whole two years after, um, we had a couple more couples on the team and then it kind of became, where's the boundary of the sense of like, we had some couples who were not great at treating team spaces as just team spaces. And it, it's hard to be like, you have to, you know, you have to be professional, you have to do this, but I do think it's important. And some people might disagree with that, that like, you should be able to, you know, you can still show up as yourself. No one's saying show up at practice and like, pretend you're straight and pretend you're not like friends or like close to this person. No, like that's not what we're saying at all. But 
just, you know, you wouldn't show up to like a work environment and like start like making out with your significant other, like unless unless you're in that type of work environment, in which case, let, let me know. That sounds kind of cool. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I do think being out helped a lot um, because then we weren't also trying to figure out who am I and like what, you know, that part of our identity. And we didn't have to kind of change the narrative around that. I think when I when I was in my first relationship with someone of the same gender as myself, um, I didn't tell anyone for a long time. And my teammates ended up kind of figuring it out. Like, it's not hard to figure out. You know, like when you're like texting this person all the time, calling all the time. And I remember the like shock and like horror of being like, everybody knows. And nobody told me that they know. And like, I can only imagine if it was also a teammate, like that extra like panic insane so i don't know how you navigated that space but yikes like i said i think you did a really great job navigating and i'm sure that initial experience was tough like you said just trying to navigate like oh my god like everybody everybody knows everybody knows i'm gay and you're like not quite out yet you know it's like that that i remember being in that sphere of like i think it was like my junior my sophomore year or something and i like showed up wearing a fedora and when i you know one of my friends was like said something. I was like, oh, like, I'm not gay. And she goes, mm-hmm, Lizzie, which like, I feel like that, that exact mm-hmm, Lizzie phrase Lizzie. Is, oh, God. is such a theme to my life. <laughs> no, that, that phrase for me just cracks me up. Like, I just, I, I really like the idea of like approaching the, the world. Like everyone is gay until proven straight. Thank you. That's what I like to do. It's actually really cool to get to work in an environment where a lot, the majority of the people here are like not straight. And like some people on staff have their wives also working here. And like, yeah. And I think if I, as an athlete had had an example of like, this is what it should look like to be professional with your significant other in a space, it would have been huge. And we wouldn't have been trying to figure it out along the way and kind of making mistakes along the way. Um, And we have couples on our team and we have couples we don't know about and we have couples that we do know about because they've just they're very good about being in the professional space of team world and we've never really had to have that like hey stop doing that in front of us we don't need to see it like we haven't had to have that conversation um and i think because they just exist in this fear where they're like this is what it's that's an example of it and that's awesome yeah Um, that's amazing but i know i know we are a very little bubble I, I remember, I think, I think may have sent it to me when we were dating, but it was some article that was like Northampton where no men are welcome. And it was like a 1960s article. I have to find it for you. I'll send it. I mean, listen, we like the real where everyone people, drives Subarus. Literally. I thought I was special. I, I'm not per my TikTok I made today. I'm not. That was an at, at both of it us. Was an it was an at. <laughs> Every time I meet someone, listen, all of you out there in queer rowing world, if you need to find a safe haven, move to New England. If you have the means and ability and resources. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm just saying I've yet to meet. I've met maybe one or two like straight coaches in New England. They're uh, everyone's a little weird 
and a little queer and a little and a lot sometimes yeah but it's it's it's, (laughs) it is awesome and it just like it goes to reinforce that like special community that we do have as like a queer rowing space not even Mm. just like rowing and queer like Mm. it's that intersection like that's why we're doing this podcast like we're taking all of the stuff that we not only love about the queer community and the rowing community and the stuff we hate but we're talking about it because it's Mm -hmm. awesome it's really cool to see head coaches assistant coaches of like big name programs like with these wonderful generally I honestly I don't know too much about the gay male side of rowing and I would like to learn more but I think it's a very queer women dominated space Mm -hmm. which is awesome like I love seeing that but I would also like to see more gay men you know still I think there are still a lot of barriers we are breaking down of of cisgender any masculinity mass yeah any masculine patriarchal space right there are still things we're breaking down in there but like just the fact that I'm sure at least on the Charles there's tons of queer minimum one per boat minimum one per team (laughs) does everyone have their token gay woman yeah Yes. (laughs) Yes. Do you ever is your token gay here tonight? Uh, uh, oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Catch us at the table in the corner. You can go through. You could go through. You're past. (laughs) You get your DEI points this month. Great job. (laughs) Do you need to rent? I'm I'm here. I'm available to rent. U-Haul. Yep. I do come with my own U-Haul. Um, I hope there's parking for it. No, not yet. Just my little cross track. Oh, I know. She's a good Listen, Martina. Let's talk. Let's talk Subarus because let's talk I have Subarus. This, I have this weird problem, and this is actually how I've started to explain gender identity. Bear with me here. I drive a Subaru Impreza, and whenever <laughs> I see like on the highway, I'm driving along, and there's a million Subarus. If I see a cross track, I'm like, that's my car. I'm like, that is literally. I'm looking at what my car looks like. Like I see a Subaru cross track, and I'm like, that's what I'm driving right now, and I'm not. I'm in a Subaru Impreza. But every part of my brain is like, that's the car I'm in right now. So that's how I started to explain um, gender identity. <laughs> that's um, amazing. <laughs> that I am a Subaru Impress. I'm a Subaru Crosstrek stuck in the body of a Subaru Impreza. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> I sometimes see myself as an outback. Mm. Just because I think I want a little bit more room. Mm. Because, you know, you know, people say they're, you know, oh, she's too much. I need a little more space to fill up because I will take it if I'm given the space. That's true. That's true. But I love my little cross check. Martina uh. takes me everywhere. And I just so you know, her name is Martina because of Snarky Marky on TikTok <laughs> when he goes, all right, Candace, you ready? Martina. You ready? All right, girls, let's hit the road. <laughs> that is specifically why she is Martina. So I can walk Except. out of my house and tell all of my friends that we're going to hit the road. <laughs> you build your life so that you can make vague TikTok references and I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm just a straight up walking meme. I have nothing yep. original to give. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just a compilation no. of memes and wow memes yeah 
yeah not to yeah. not to bash Subaru Impreza's I do love my car because it's a they're very good. affordable car it's yeah. a very affordable car I mean as cars go and like am I inches from drowning in debt because I needed a car mayhaps but I I was like I'm living in New England I'm not straight I have to own a Subaru and you know what Alex has an Outback yes and uh, <laughs> I am uh, like uh, one day I'm gonna finally be a Subaru Crosstrek in a Crosstrek and so then you know we'll have the full send of the Subarus but like this Subaru does not sponsor this podcast <laughs> but they, they should, should though Subaru if you're listening <laughs> Quirk Subaru where I purchased my car if you're listening we'd like a sponsorship oh my god <laughs> I would love to get like a Subaru like hat or something you know if you take your dog to a Subaru they'll give them toys that are Subaru I saw I so I've been twice in the last week because I've had I don't know something something's been up you um but I had to go twice and I should have brought Gunny because I know they give dogs like little toys and she's a perfect little angel so she deserves everything happy birthday to the perfect little angel it's my dog's birthday everyone is getting engaged and I'm here posting photos of my perfect little three-year-old border collie and there's nothing wrong with that and you're at where you're at in life and there's no such thing as a set timeline that is also Mm -hmm. very true Sometimes I just want to be loved. <laughs> you, you're, you are loved, Lizzie. I'm so loved. You're right. I, oh, I'm this very is an loved. intervention. Welcome. <laughs> this is an intervention to Lizzie's sad life sometimes. To Lizzie's self-deprecation. Please stop. True. Everyone chirped me. One of my athletes chirped me for wearing my chain yesterday. This is a phrase I've never heard before. I chirped? love using it. Yeah. What does this mean? Like, just like give you shit like a little little like poke and prod make fun she's like oh are you wearing a gold chain i was like it's not gold it's silver <laughs> and i'm hot okay points for that good job yeah. thank you okay and then <laughs> obviously everybody knows carhartt uh and how it's how huge it is in the gay culture um but i the uniform love- it is, but I love when straight people are like, oh my God, like I love that car hard. It's like, thank you so much. Do not appropriate my culture. <laughs> hey, everybody wants to do car hard shit <laughs> until it's time to do car hard shit. You know what? My coveralls, my hat, my dog's matching coat, the mm. probable boots I'm about to buy. Okay. Like- okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm a fan of Carhartt. I am mm. because, you know, it fits both lifestyle and job, which I think yeah. rowing, queer rowing coaches, we are specifically built. For Carhartt, I need the gay community to stop getting so hype about expensive things. Like it's the Carhartt and then those like blunt stones, like the uniform is too pricey. I cannot afford it. I need us to be down with like some like dollar store ish. Like, please, I'm let's go back to being into thrifting. Well, that's why. Here, here are my thoughts on thrifting though these days is that even thrift stores have become like money grabbers, which that's, that's not the point. That's, that's not the point of thrifting. Yeah, it's awesome to find really cool vintage stuff, but the whole point is so it's affordable for people who can't afford to buy mm-hmm. brand new things, but yeah. you're able to still find these inexpensive, you know, theoretically these inexpensive good quality clothing that can still last even if you just put a little bit of love Mm. I'm very guilty I I do like save up and purchase more expensive things but I also know 
that those things are going to last me because I take really good care of them. Like I have two pairs of Blundstones and I religiously like monthly condition and brush them and like make sure that they're, they're like living to their, you know, full potential. Because Mm -hmm. I had a professor in college who he was like, I've had these Blundstones since college and he's probably in his forties. Mm, so so like, they're, they're worth okay. the investment. Is what they're I'm worth hearing? the investment. Yeah. Okay. They're definitely worth the investment. Um, like they're really comfortable mm. and we're not sponsored by any of these places. We're just advocating for comfortable coaching. And here's, here's a note I'm ready to quite end on. And it's a theory that you can argue for or against Alex and I have this theory that there's like part of this secret gay agenda is that like, there is a gay trust fund somewhere. Cause like, have you ever met like, like, you know, the queer community, we span all economic classes, but like there is a group of like wealthy gays out there. And I just feel like I, every time I meet like a successful, like almost always queer woman, because I don't meet that many queer men, I could use to, but whatever, different conversation. They are like doing great economically and financially they're very stable and like alex and i are like when do we get in on the trust fund like when do you show up at our door like do we have to get married first like do we like email our certificate somewhere and they'll be like you're you're ready welcome i like i'd be down i'd be on board hopefully with that theory i think it exists i think it's a secret part of the gay agenda is that there's a gay trust fund out there and i'm i'm ready this, yeah, well, this is my, this is my like bat signal to them. Like I am ready. <laughs> I'm also ready. <laughs> like Kate so if any of our listeners, yeah. If you're out there and you're part of the gay trust funds, we're ready for it. We're ready. We're ready. Our Subarus, my Subaru needs some work. Um, I got hit by a Suburban last year and I haven't <gasps> been able to, I know I, <laughs> But really crashing into a Subaru is immediately homophobic. It was a Suburban, that is a straight white mom car yeah that's a is. karen car <laughs> we gotta that end is it. A karen car. <laughs> if but you no. drive a suburban out there trade it in right now <laughs> trade it in right now i'll find you you're paying for my damage <laughs> no but uh, being the savvy rowing coach that i was to am hopefully i had a few 10 mil bolts in my car at the time with a couple of nuts and i was like well just gonna stick my bumper in there and screw it in. So uh, my car is being held together right now by um, Gorilla duct tape. Wow. Uh, yeah, and a couple of 10 mil bolts because uh, I got to pay like three grand to fix my car. You MacGyver rowing coach style. I am the product you of my that father. Car. Yeah, I'm, I'm the product of my dad. Um, if anyone knows Vinny Houston... I don't know if I should apologize because he's like the nicest and most wonderful caring man on the planet, but also he's so chaotic. This checks out. <laughs> Which I am a complete product of, but I adore my dad in every way possible. He, it was also his birthday this week. Happy birthday, Papa Houston. Papa Hugh. And my brother's birthday was this week. Oh, yeah, my other birthday brother's birthday week. was the week before that. Uh, laughing and joking aside, you know, I'm glad we have a space where we can laugh and joke about Subarus and gay culture and Carhartt and whatnot. Um, there is a lot going on in the world right now. And I know a lot of, you know, rowing world and the greater world as we are, a lot of people are really feeling the stress and the fear of what could be going on and what could be building. Um, Lizzie, I know 
this is something that's affecting your family and to you and to anyone else out there, I'm so sorry that, you know, you have this extra thing you have to carry with you. And I hope we can kind of offer a little bit of a corner of our little world where we can just laugh and forget for a moment about everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, thank you, Kira, for, for that. I think it's, it's, it is still really important to shed light on, you know, these global issues that do affect us here at home. Um, I had mentioned to Kira earlier, but um, I do have a brother in the military who is stationed overseas right now. Um, and so we're anxiously watching and he's set to come home in July, but, you know, with these conflicts, we don't really know. And, you know, we have tons of friends on the river here in Boston that are dealing with, I'm sure there's, you know, family in Ukraine, um, family in surrounding countries. So um, our, and our, you know, our rowing friends that are around the globe too. So our, we're, mm-hmm. we're here to support and, you know, and help in any way that we can. And if there are resources that you have, um, you know, I'll, I'm definitely going to be digging in over the next few days uh, on, you know, how we can help here. Um, and if you have any suggestions, anyone, please, please, please feel free to send, send that our way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to post, post resources and um, share anything on any of my social media platforms that can help. So um, if you are, if you're having a tough time with the, the things that are going on, there are people here who you can talk to and there are ways that you can definitely get involved in some way, shape or form to help. So please do take the time to research, stop disinformation. That is, that is huge. I have, a, I actually have a lot of awesome books that I can share recommendations for, for propaganda and cyber warfare and, and things like that. I think it's important to, to know the history of where some of these conflicts are coming from. So if you have anything, let us know. And we are, we're here to spread some joy in these trying times. So thank you for tuning in. Yeah. um, I think definitely we'll be sharing some resources on at Coxless Queer. Um, And, you know, we'll say it loud and clear, we stand with the Ukrainian people and in their defense of what's going on in their world and our world and all of it. And it's, it's, gonna be a long couple months but we got each other here we're we got you lizzie um and if we can make you laugh a little bit then that's a win on the day so follow along with us um at cox's queer on instagram subscribe like listen share if you need if you have a gay friend out there who needs a laugh send them our way (laughs) um i'll be dumb any day or yeah yeah. i I think we're funny to straight people too i don't really know um are we i don't know (laughs) it's been a long time since i feel like i've been in a straight friend group yeah uh, (laughs) uh, maybe if you could like send a sample of like this to your straight friends and if they laugh let us know if we've done it or not otherwise we love allies we do love allies um (laughs) otherwise that's all we got so have a great couple weeks whenever we get back to it And if you have a breakup experience that you're comfortable with sharing uh, with a teammate and they're also okay with it, uh, we'd love to hear and um, please share any stories our way. Awesome. Gaze out. (laughs)